0: We are beginning a brand new series of messages today called Deuteronomy, and I want to jump into this and explain a little bit about what it's about, because I know some of you might be confused. Here's one thing you got to know. We like to have fun in church. Is that all right? Is that okay to have fun in church? We like to have fun in church, and uh, I need to explain this to you, because some of you might be confused about this, but if you come here, we're going to have fun, and then we're also going to teach you the Bible. You're going to get doctrine here. Doctrine is just learning to understand what the Bible says and how it applies to your life. And in Deuteronomy, where we're looking at, uh, you got to understand that Deuteronomy is an Old Testament book. It's the fifth book in the Old Testament. It's also the last book of the Pentateuch. If you're not familiar with that word, Pentateuch is a Greek word, literally just means five books. And the reason it's categorized separately is because in the Old Testament, there's different categorizations of Scripture. There's there's the Pentateuch, or in Hebrew it's called the Torah. It's just often referred to as the law. And then there's the prophets. Then there's the wisdom literature. And then there's historical writings, these different classifications. But the reason these five books are unique is because they're all attributed to Moses. And what, what they're referred to, in, or called the Torah, is just doctrine, or, or teaching, or law. But Deuteronomy is not just unique in that it's the last book. It's also unique in the way it's written because it's a retelling of previous commands that are given in the Pentateuch and the law. In fact, that's what Deuteronomy means. Deuteronomy comes from two Greek words, deuteros, which means second or again, and nomos, which means law, principle, or precept. But I want you to understand just because it's a second telling or a retelling, Doesn't mean that it's secondary or second rate. Now, the the things that are shared in Deuteronomy, they're not just a regurgitation of prior precepts, they're not just reminding people about rules that were already given. Moses here is restating some truths for a new generation to understand. It's the same principles, but a new package. That's what you gotta think of when you read Deuteronomy and you come across some stuff, maybe if you tried reading through the Bible and you think, man, I've read that before. That's why we're calling this series Deuteronomy. Because in some ways, like a meme, it's like a new way to communicate. Like I've, I've got four children, I've got a 15 year old, 11 year old, nine year old, all boys, and then I've got a six year old girl. And I'm kinda in this, this interesting state with my 15 year old where pretty much all of our communication these days is through memes. It's the primary way we, we talk, and uh, it's a beautiful thing. It, it's, a, it's a funny thing, and if you don't know what a meme is, just find a teenager in the room. They'll explain it to you, but uh, actually, I thought more than explain what a meme is, it'd just be better to, to show you, so um, l- let me just point out a couple to you. Like, like this is a meme. When, uh, when the message Sunday is for you, how many of you can relate to that? Like, God just uses that, it's like, oh, man, that's right that this has got me right right where one let's let's look at another one here uh, parents after getting their kids ready for church be like <laughs> where the parents at parents how many of you can relate to that whoever said easy for sunday morning easy like sunday morning was not a parent but um, this is th- th- these are these are what memes are so so you know and we're going to have some fun with this series and I want to give some extra just some extra credit for those of you who we're into this who, who want to be a part of this um maybe as you're listening to this message you're going to think man that really spoke to me and you know what memes are you're into it so if you will create a meme of the sermon a point something that happened something you took away from it as long as it's good and you you add us on social media we'll, we'll post it and uh, this could be your big breakout moment tens and tens of people will see it <laughs> and uh but, but I want to encourage you, if, if God is using it, we're going to have some fun with this and, and share it. And here's, here's a good thing. If you do this, you're going to help other people out because then they won't have to take notes on Sunday. Just, I'll give you one more. You don't have to take notes. Just look at the memes on Monday. And uh, you'll be helping out so many people. So, hey, we want to get right into the Word of God, though. And uh, each week we'll be looking at a key passage in Deuteronomy and the scripture I want us to look at today is in Deuteronomy chapter 6. I'm going to read the scripture, and then we're going to ask God to help us apply it to our lives. So if you want to follow along, you can find your way to Deuteronomy 6 in your Bible. and We'll put the words on the screen so we can all follow along together. We're going to start in verse 4. And uh, if you don't know what memes are at this point, you're going to be confused for the next four weeks. I'm just going to tell you. But Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 says, Hear, O Israel... in this series, ask some truths that are meant to be shared, truths that apply to your life that the children of Israel needed to be reminded of and that you and I need to be reminded of and share with others. But I want to use this text today, before we get into the truths that need to be shared, to use this truth on how it should be shared and how we can share it. I really want to answer this question of how do we share truth with others? How do we reach the next generation? How do we make disciples? How do we build strong families? And to do that, I want to speak to you from this subject, if you're taking notes, Laws to Live By. It's the title of my message today, Laws to Live By. Now, I have to tell you, like lots of times when I write, I've got like 20 titles that I'm going through, and I was able to narrow it down from 20 to 2. So I'll just give you the second one. This is kind of the real title, if you want the real title. Is you gotta, how do we, how do, we do this? How, how do we share this truth? How do we make it reach the next generation? How, how do we build strong families? How do we make disciples? You have to make it meme something. You have to make it meme something. Hey, it's always my custom to pray before I get into preaching God's Word, and I know I need God's help. So would you bow your head with me one more time? God, thank you so much for your Word. Your Word always speaks to us. God, I need your grace on my life and on this message. So God, use me. Let your Holy Spirit come speak to people, meet them where they're at. We need to hear from you today, not my ideas or opinions. We thank you for it, God. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agrees with that can say amen. I've got a confession to make. I know it gets quiet whenever the pastor says that. He's like, not sure what's going to happen. Especially all our first time guests. You're like, what kind of church did I come to? But I've got a confession. I don't have the best memory. I don't have the best memory. And it's not to say like I'm always forgetful. It's just, I tend to be more of a futuristic thinker. And so I'm, I'm usually thinking about the things that are in front of me instead of the things that are behind me. But this has ripple effects in my life. It's not just like, not being able to remember stuff from my past. Sometimes I can't even remember what did I have set up for today. I have to look at my calendar to to think through, because I'm thinking about all the things that are ahead, not just the things that are in front of me for the day. And I I bring this up because I don't know if this is like genetically passed on to your children or or, or it's just a product of your environment, but I've noticed my kids are the same way. You got to understand, my kids they have a daily routine in their life. It has been the same routine as long as they've been in school, they wake up in the morning, they have breakfast, they get ready, and then they go to school. Every day, on school day, this is their routine. But you would think, as often as they've done this, that when it comes to the morning at my house, like, this is the first time anything has ever been asked, like there is some kind of software reset in their brain. That every time whenever they go to sleep and I, it is a brand new day and I, I'll just put it in perspective for you because like we'll, we'll get them up breakfast, get ready, go to school we'll get in the car I take them to school every morning because' I'm a, I'm a loving father I'm a good good father and, and I'll take them and as we're on their way, somebody says, "I forgot my backpack we'll, we'll go the next morning I forgot my coat they're, they're, they're supposed to bring their lunch or pack their lunches I, I forgot." my lunch. I forgot to put my homework in my backpack. I kid you not. One day I took them to school. Grant said, dad, I need to go back home. I forgot my shoes. <laughs> I, I turned around. He literally, he was barefoot in the car. How, how do you get from the house to the car without socks and shoes on and you don't remember until we get to your school? I don't know. It could be genetic. I bring that up because I don't know if you're like me or, or maybe you're like Grant. The point is, we're forgetful. And uh, I don't know if you struggle like I do. Hopefully, you don't struggle like Grant does. Just look, you know, cross the aisle, make sure everybody's got their shoes on. It says holy ground, but we still want people to wear their shoes. And uh, we struggle, many of us do. And that's why in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses is speaking to the people. He says, I want you to have a reminder. There's some things that you need to remember, not remember God, but you need to remember, you need to have some reminders of God's instruction and his authority. Now, at the point where we're reading, if you're not familiar with the context, Moses is at the end of his life. He's 120 years old. Uh, this is the final year of his life, and he, he's passing on the salient instructions that the children of Israel need to know. This this new generation needs to remember. The reason I say new generation is because the old generation had died. If you're not familiar with the Bible, up at, to this point in Bible history, see the God had made a promise to Abraham and because of this promise is about to be fulfilled, he said, I'm going to make you a great nation and you will live in the, this nation will live in a land flowing with milk and honey. It just means you'll live in this prosperous land. Things will be good. Centuries later, this promise is about to be fulfilled. This nation that's come for this family, this families, this nation that's come from this one man, Abraham, has grown under Egyptian slavery. God miraculously delivers them from out of the bondage of the Egyptians. And he takes them to Mount Sinai, where he makes a covenant with them, reminds them of his promise to Abraham, makes some new promises to them, tells them about this land he's he's going to give them, says he'll be with them. But Instead of going straight into the land, believing God for his promise, they get fearful because of the obstacles that are in their way. And due to their lack of faith, an entire generation dies. They wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Now, 40 years have passed. Everybody who came out of Egypt who was over the age of 20 has died. And Moses is speaking to a new generation. A generation that didn't see God in, in Egypt. A, a generation that didn't see the way God delivered them. A generation that didn't see how God brought them out and provided for them in the world. This is a brand new generation. And so he says, I need you to know some things. I don't want you to make the same mistake that the previous generation made. First thing you got to know is that the Lord our God is one. What's that mean? He, he's saying there is only one God. They were in a polytheistic culture. And you might think, well, how does that relate to me? We don't live in ancient Bible times with the polytheistic culture, but we still live in this culture where there are many things that are vying for our attention and vying for our energy and vying for our time and vying for our resource. He says, look, there's one thing that matters. Our God is one. He's the only one. He's the only one that's, that's worthy of your time, energy, and resource. So he says, this is what you need to know. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Now, in our context, that seems kind of weird that we would command somebody to love because in our modern culture, we think of love as a feeling. We think of love as a noun. You're going to just command me to have positive feelings towards someone? But the Hebrews would have heard this differently, that they would have understood that love is a verb. They would have understood that when he says love the Lord your God, that there are some expectations and ways that we should respond. So he says, I want you to respond in this certain way with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. In other words, everything within you should want to respond to God in this way. That's actually our word for the season, within. That big wall within reach, that's the word for our church that what God has for us is within, he says, I want you to let everything within you respond to God. That's why he goes on to say, These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. They're not just external things that you're, you're trying to create this facade. It needs to be on the inside to follow. He says, Impress them on your children. Now, I understand, you know, we got a broad room here. Not everybody has. Children, you might think, how does this apply to me? Well, again, he's talking to a new generation, he's talking to the next generation. And every generation needs to hear the stories of the previous generation. You gotta know we are a next generation church. That's why when we design this space, we designed 50% of the finished space to be kids' space. Because we're thinking about the future. We're focused on the future, we're thinking about the next generation. We have Youth That Happens Here on Wednesday nights. I'm glad we got one. We got Youth That Happens on Wednesday nights. Yeah. I hope we're a next generation church. If you're a parent and you've got teenagers, you should bring them to Youth on Wednesdays. We've got our, it's called Yoko, Young Community, our college and young professionals that meets on Sunday nights. That just kicked off last week. Guys, <laughs> like, I don't know. This seems a little, like, lame in the response. We've got, like, young community that happens. All right. I know we got, like, a way, way more people to come. The point I'm trying to make is we are a next-generation church. In fact, you think about the ministry of Jesus. It was a youth movement. It was a young community. Jesus was 30 years old when he started his ministry. The Bible doesn't say how old his disciples were, but most scholars think they were close to his age or younger. It was a young community. And so as a church... We're always about the next generation. So when Moses says, impress them on your children, he's talking about you've got to impress them on the next generation. And there can't be a next generation unless we share the gospel in this generation. And that's the key that I want to share with you today that every generation needs to hear the story of faith. Every generation needs to hear. How God has worked in your life, how God has moved in your life, how he has been faithful to you, how you've seen him move, how he came through for you, how he comforted you when you needed it. Every generation needs to know the stories of where your struggles were and where God delivered you. And so he says, impress them on your children. Impress them on the next generation. Impress literally means to make your mark. To make your mark. In other words, you have to be intentional about the way you live them out. It doesn't happen on accident. It happens on purpose. It's not something that's just the default setting. It's something you have to design. Essentially, what, what God is saying through Moses is that if you want these values to be passed on, you want these commands to be instilled to your family, you got to understand that one does not simply understand these principles just because they heard them. That's the point. No, you gotta, you got to make it memorable. you you got to make it, it mean something. And that's what I want to help you with today. See, in the wilderness, this generation that was in the wilderness, God led them with a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. So anytime they questioned God's faithfulness, anytime they had doubts about God, all they had to do was open their eyes and they would see God's presence. But now they're about to go into a new environment. New environments create new expectations. And in this new environment that they're going into, they can't go into this new place with an old mentality. That's why the previous generation failed. They were thinking about the past and being under the bondage of the Egyptians. He says, no, if you want to live this out, there's got to be a cultural identifier. And he instructs him three ways, I see in this text, how he does this. First one is in verse seven, Deuteronomy six, verse seven. He says, talk about them, when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, he says, "If you want to make it memorable, you want to share these truths with the next generation. I'm going to share these truths with others. You've got to pass these things on and pass these things down. Here's what you have to do. You have to make it relatable. Make it relatable. Now, you might be thinking, how in the world do I do that make it relatable? Make my faith in what God is showing me, how do I make it relatable? Well, he tells us in this passage, he says, talk about it. When do you talk about it? You talk about it when you're at home. Talk about it when you're on the road. Talk about it when you're resting. You talk about it when you're rising. You, you want to live these things out, these laws to live by, you have to talk about them. God's instruction should be something that connects with your everyday life. What you hear on Sunday should connect with your Monday. You, you have to keep these things close to your heart, and you got to carry them with you where you go. The implication is your faith should not be compartmentalized to the weekend. It shouldn't be relegated to an hour on Sunday. You want to make your faith relatable? You want to live these things out? you got to talk about them. Here's why this is important, because when people see that your faith is relatable, it shows them that God is reliable. When when faith in church and your relationship with Jesus matters more than just an hour on Sunday, it's a witness to the faithfulness of God. And here's the challenge for each person here, because this isn't just an instruction, it's a command, and it's a challenge for you and I can write this down i want to ask you challenge to bring your faith into one conversation every day this week just bring your faith into conversation and today is going to be so easy because just talk about the message over lunch if you're single and you came by yourself just find somebody to go to lunch with or go to young community tonight if you're you know in that age bracket and see another shout out just helping you out Pastor Nate was like, hey, can you mention young community? So I'm just, how many other times I can get it in here? To see if I can do it. But talk about it. Don't, don't just leave it on Sunday. Bring it up in conversation. You can do it over lunch? Maybe Monday you can share a scripture with somebody. Maybe on Tuesday somebody tells you a struggle that they're going through. You can offer to pray with them. And not just like I'll pray for you, pray with them on the spot. Maybe on Wednesday, you can. somebody asks about your weekend and you can say, I went to church. You tell them about the series. Maybe on Thursday, you can open up to somebody about how you were going through something and how God brought comfort or how God helped you in that moment. You can bring up how, how God has been there for you. You can pray for the situations going on in the world. But I want to challenge you to bring God up in a conversation every day this week. Just one conversation. And if you find that a challenge, might I suggest it could be because you're not conversing with God every day. Sometimes the reason we have a hard time bringing God up in conversation is because he's never part of our conversation. We never have a conversation with him. I'm in a group, and of course, I encourage you guys to get in a group, but I'm in a group that meets every other Friday, and what we've been doing in the group I'm in is is we go through the Proverbs. Proverbs is great because... There's 31 Proverbs in most months. There's 31, not February, but there's 31 days in a month. And so we've just been talking about hey, we're gonna go through a proverb every day, and then we're gonna apply that to our life. We're gonna share it, and, and we're gonna bring that up in conversation. It's gotta be a daily discipline. If we're gonna share truth with others, if we're gonna reach the next generation, if we're gonna make disciples, if we're gonna build strong families, we need to be intentional how we talk about our faith. We've got to make it relatable. But then in the next one, Moses doesn't stop there. He says, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Now, that seems kind of weird because he makes this quick shift from talking to tying. What What do you mean by putting it on my hands and putting it on my forehead? The implication is this, is that you got to make it practical. First, make it relatable, but then make it practical. It shouldn't just be a focus, it should also have a function. You gotta use it. Your faith should be visible in what you put your hand to, and the way you think about situations. It's just like a muscle. Like When you don't use them, they grow weaker. Well, your faith is the same way. If you're never using it, if you're never putting it into practice, you're not growing it. You're not developing it. It's got to have a function. This is why giving is so important. It's one reason, lots of reasons. This is why giving is so important. Giving, whenever we give, what we're doing is we're, we are practically putting our trust in God. What we're saying, God, I recognize that you are my source, my skills, my abilities are not. I recognize that You are my provider. You are the one I need in my life. I can't do this on my own. So I'm putting you first. I'm trusting you because I don't have what it takes. And if, how are you ever going to trust God in the big things when crisis hits if you don't begin to trust God right now in small ways? Your faith has to have a function, you got to make it practical. That's why I always talk about serving on a team. Serving on a team, it's how you use your faith. What it is, saying, I recognize that God has given me gifts. I recognize that these gifts are not my own to use on myself for my own selfish desires or reasons, that I have something to offer, that one of the reasons God made me is to serve him, and I can serve him by serving others. So I'm always going to encourage you, take that step. And all of us have a next step that we can take to make our faith practical, to, to demonstrate it. Maybe for you, that's in going to essentials. You've been coming to the church for six years. You've never taken the next step to understand how God wants to use you to make a difference, how you can be a contributor, not just a consumer. Maybe for you, the next step is baptism, that we had people get baptized. You've been following Jesus, but you've never been biblically baptized. You've never taken the decision and made it public. Maybe... It's to invite a friend to church. You've been coming by yourself. Your faith is private, but God wants it to be public. He wants other people to experience. There's some people that only you are connected with, and he wants to use you in their life. All of us have a next step that we can take. Your faith has to be functional. You've got to make it, make it practical. It's got to be practice. That's what I'm trying to say. What you believe should impact how you behave. Like in my house, I've noticed that my kids, they were kind of, Acting crazy as they do, and I had had enough of it one day. So, I, I said, "Guys, this is not how we act. We we have some family values." Now, we, of course, we've had family values, but I'd never verbalized them until that point. So I was like, "We have some family values around here. Yes, we do." And I started making some stuff up. I said, <laughs> "I said, you know what we do in this house? You know what we do in this family? We." Speak the truth, and we believe the best. Because they were talking, they were complaining about something, and I didn't like it. So I said, this is not who we are. This is not what we do. We speak the truth. We believe the best. So that means that we don't lie, but we also don't worry. It that means that, that we don't hide our hurts, but we also don't get offended. We speak the truth, and we believe the best. And they were picking on each other. And I said, this is not, who we, this is not what we do in this family. No, we, we honor God. By honoring others. We're kind. You know what kind means? I made Alexa read them the definition for kind. We just listened to it for 30 minutes. <laughs> this is who we are. We just, I didn't preach a sermon to them. I didn't read them a scripture. I made it practical. So this is who we... Hey, we, we give big so we can go far. So how are you ever going to give big if you can't give small right now? You need to share that thing that you're fighting over. So you got to make it... You got to make it practical. And I would just tell you, when you read scripture, ask the Holy Spirit to help you put it into practice. Ask him to help you apply it. When Moses says, tie it around your hands and bind it around your head, he's implying that your faith is lived out not just by what you say, but by what you show. You want to make it memorable? Make it mean something? You got to show it, not just say it. You got to make it relatable. You got to make it practical. Here's the last one. You got to keep it visible. Got to keep it visible. Make it relatable, make it practical, keep it visible. He says in verse 9 write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Keep it visible. You got to write these things down and then you got to post them somewhere. It's helpful because we're talking about memes. Just tell your neighbor you got to post it somewhere so people know about it. You guys are not participating. I'm going to come out there. you got to post it somewhere. Really, you got to post it in two places. He says you got to post it in the door frames of your house, and you got to post it on your gates. Now, most of us probably don't live in a gated community or have a gate on our house, and you might be surprised to know in ancient times they didn't either. He's talking about two different places. Your home, doorposts of your house, and the gates of the city the gates of the city. It means it needs to be posted two places, personally and publicly. You gotta keep it visible two places. It's gotta be visible personally to you, but it should also be public facing. It needs to be visible publicly. And here's why it matters. Here's why you gotta keep it in front of you and, and keep it in front of others. The reason you need to keep it in front of you personally is because you need a reminder. We're forgetful. We talked about that. That's why it's good to take notes in church. If you can't take notes, just take a picture of the stuff on the screen and then put it someplace where you're gonna see it. Keep it, keep it in front of you. One thing I, I love that my wife does is she puts scriptures around her house. And I just mean like on Post-it note, like she'll, she buys artwork and makes stuff and you know we got stuff in our living room and stuff in our bedroom, stuff in the kids' rooms. Scriptures, reminders, because we, we need that. One of the things we do for our team, I, I just brought this up to show you. Um, this is our, our season guide. So whatever season that we're in, we bring some scriptures and some words for, for all of our team. Anybody who's on a team, we, we give them this. So the way you get this is beyond be on a team. But I like to keep this around. I, I keep it on my desk and I review it. Keep it in front of me. i, I got to remind myself of what God is saying to me in this season. you got to keep it visible. You need the reminder. But then you can encourage people with scripture too. And you might think it's a small thing when you share scripture with someone. When you share a quote from the message on Sunday with someone. But that's the very thing that God uses to help people. In fact, since we're talking about memes, I might as well just say like for those of you that are on social media, whatever platform you're you're on, that is a platform that you can use to give God glory. Like when you there should not be a Sunday that you don't post about it. Not for the church, because God can, you have influence in people's life. God can use that to be an encouragement and help to somebody. The, the, when you're reading scripture on your own, just post it. Like that's an opportunity to keep it in the public, to let people know that my faith is not just relegated to what happens on the weekend. This is. This is part of my life. You can take the invite cards and you can put them at the gym that you go to, or put them at the donut shop if that's more your speed. Whatever it is, just put it up. Even better, hand it to somebody. Your faith needs to be visible. Because here's the challenge the truths we're going to talk about in this series are meant to be shared, but they also have to be shared. They have to be shared. This is the way that we reach people. This is the way that we make disciples. This is the way that we build strong families. Not just because we we carved out some time on the weekend, but because we lived our life this way. We, We lived, it was on our lips, it was in our hands, it was on our minds, in our homes at our work we we lived it out that's how it keeps going I just encourage you the next generation needs to know your story the people in your life need to know your story they need to know what God has done for you even if you're here and you're struggling right now man, you can thank God that you're here you made it to church today that's a win, that's a victory you heard from God today God wants to use you to make a difference in the life of somebody else.